we're trans- transitioning this Sabbath to today um, and that we're starting a new series. Um, an ancient Proverbs, Chinese proverb says, the journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. Well, today we begin a new journey. A, we, 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 we take that first step on a new journey. Not a physical journey, mind you, of a thousand miles. Uh, we all are staying here, staying put here in Auburn and in the vicinity, but it's a spiritual journey. It's a spiritual pilgrimage of sorts. Um, from, it's, a, it's a journey through uh, a, a portion of the Psalms called uh, uh, the, the Songs of Ascents from Psalm 120 all the way down to 134, also known as the 15 Psalms, also known as the Songs of Degrees, also known as the Songs of Steps, or the Songs for Going Up to Worship, or quite simply, we'll call it Pilgrim Songs. So we imagine ourselves embarking on this pilgrimage like the ancient Hebrews engaged in, the, in their pilgrimage to and from uh, the city of Jerusalem, or like, if you've read John Bunyan's uh, allegorical dream book called The Pilgrim's Progress, like Christian uh, leaving the city of destruction for the celestial city, Mount Zion, or New Jerusalem, as we call it as, as, as Adventists. And we imagine ourselves singing these uh, these pilgrim songs, 15 of them. We're not going to go through the whole 15 of them because we don't have enough Sabbaths to do that. But our purpose, part of our purpose, is to uh, go on this spiritual journey as we prepare for Easter, for the resurrection, for the time when we celebrate the death and the resurrection of our Lord. And that's coming up in just six Sabbaths. Can you imagine that? And it's already, we're already into March. My word. We blink, and it's going to be Christmas again. Um, so that's what, uh, that's what we, we, we will do. We, we will imagine ourselves, as I said, singing these pilgrim songs, even though uh, today we basically probably just recite them since we've, you know, the, 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 uh, the, the lyrics are still there, but the melodies have been lost through time. Um, and that's what songs do, you see. That's what songs do, whether they're young, I mean, new or old. Um, they keep our spirits up, especially when we're down and especially uh, when we go on a long and treacherous journey. Throughout my years as a Christian, I, I've memorized quite a bit of songs. I, I love to sing, mostly while I'm showering, um, but I love to sing, and a lot of the sing- songs that I've, I've memorized are, are hymns and old hymns, and, and one of them I, I remember very, very clearly as I was getting ready for the, the sermon today. I, you know, this, this song just keeps you know, popping in my head, and, and uh, it goes like this. I don't know. If you know the song, you, you're welcome to sing it with me. I'm going to sing the first stanza of the song. Let us sing a song that will cheer us, by the way. You, remember, you know that song? In a, in a little while we're going home, for the night will end in the everlasting day. In a little while we're going home. In a little while, in a little while, we will cross the billow's foam. We will at last when the stormy winds are past. It's too high even for me. In a little while, we're going home. See, a lot of you still remember the, the good old hymns. Um, 
And today we begin not with the first, hymn, uh, first of these 15 songs, Psalm 120. Today we begin with the second of, those, of these sacred songs or these pilgrim songs, Psalm 121. This psalm, you see, the reason why I'm picking this psalm today is because this psalm captures what it's really like to begin to set out on a journey, to set out on a pilgrimage. It captures two things for us here today. First of all, uh, Psalm 121 captures the excitement and the, the, the anxieties or the trepidation uh, of a journey. And second of all, it, 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 it captures or re, it, it's, it reminds us um, uh, or, or it captures the reminders and the, the encouragements of a prayer of blessings as we set out on a journey. Psalm 121 verse 1 captures this excitement and the anxieties uh, of, of a journey, the beginnings of a journey, when we, you know, we see this, you know, this, this phrase, I look up to the mountains. I look up to the mountains. The mountains. We've seen mountains. We live, really, in the foothills. So we see mountains as, as we face east and south of us. We see all over, all over us mountains. Um, you pack your things, you're ready to go, you're setting out on a journey, you get to the airport. That's another mountain, by the way. And suddenly, the mountains hit you, the unknowns, and you cry out, you cry out, where does my, where does my help come from? And, and if you're, you know, if you're uh, reading from the likes of the NIV or New International Version or those uh, similar modern versions, that's, that's how it's worded, uh, I'm, I'm assuming. Where does my help come from? It's in the question mark. Um, as if somebody just realized, oh no, I'm setting out on a journey and a lot of things I do not know. What's going to happen next? And I like actually the NLT's uh, version of it. The NLT, the New Living Translation, captures it even better when it says, does my help come from there? As if to say, you know, finally, you know, it's dawning on you that, you know, you're actually setting out on this journey, and yes, you're excited, but you're also nervous. A lot of things could happen that I did not anticipate. Does my help come from there, from those mountains, those mountains that hold so much, you know, excitement or even so much, so many questions for me? All you see Sometimes when you're setting out on a journey, um, after the initial excitement are the unfamiliar and the dangerous terrain. And that mo momentary tinge of discomfort, of nervousness, and even of anxiety. Where will I get my help? Where will I get my help? Will I get it from those mountains that I face? We have so many ways, so many ways of dealing with the excitements and the trepidations of a journey. I have my own. I'm sure you have yours. You see, um, I developed this nasty habit, um, and I really developed this when I, while I was in college. And this nasty habit is this, is this, that I stay up all night the night before my trip. And this is a habit that I developed when I was in college, as I said. Um, of staying up all night and fussing over my packing list 
and just going over it again and again and, and you know, kind of creating some little scenarios that I might anticipate uh, um, you know, you know, going on the trip and trying to address that right then and there so I don't need to be, you know, so, so, I'm not, uh, so I'm ready for it whenever it comes, if it comes. So I do that all night long and I stay awake all night. And um, this started um, when I was traveling back and forth to the old country. I come from the Philippines, those of you that don't know me yet. I developed this habit when I would fly back to the old country where I went to college, went back to college. Um, and um, it was a, always a long journey to the old country, about back then, about 16, 18 hours. Um, and, you know, that's, of course, including the layovers. Uh, sometimes it's more. I remember one year, and I, I was traveling back, and, and there was, you know, a, 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 a volcano erupted in the Philippines. And so my 16, 18-hour journey ended up being three days. It was really pretty fun, really, in, in a way, because I ended up in Hawaii. <laughs> I ended up in Hawaii for free. And uh, because, you know, the, 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 uh, uh, the, uh, the plane could not land, and so that we had to wait and wait. We waited for one day in Honolulu. We, we waited for another day in Honolulu. So I spent two days stuck in a hotel, but it's still it's Hawaii for two days. It's not always bad when you're traveling that long. But I developed this, um, this nasty habit um, because I... For the life of me, I could, never, I could never fall asleep sitting up. So I, I would force myself to stay awake all night the night before my flight. So I'd be so dead tired the following day I'd sleep sitting up or even standing up. Never worked, really. Never worked, but I, would, you know, I kept trying. And to this day, I still have this nasty, lingering habit where it doesn't matter what kind of a trip it is, even if it's a car trip, a road trip, I would stay up the night before. And it's really bad news for me. It's no good because I'd be wasted the following day, and I'm, not, and I'm driving the following day. But Psalm 121 verse 1 captures this trepidation at the beginning of the trip, of a trip, of any trip. When we finally realize that we're facing the mountains that we have to traverse across, and we realize that there are more questions than answers, and we're nervous. Psalm 121 verse 1 captures this momentary angst, as it were, in those, uh, in, in those, in those words, I look up to the mountains. Does my help come from there. But as soon as the pilgrim says these words, the pilgrim shakes off, as it were, shakes off his momentary fear and, and recovers his faith and utters those words in, in, verse, in verse 2. No, my help does not come from the mountains, really. It does not come from anything created in this world. It comes from the one who created those mountains, who created the heavens and the earth. And so we find this in this verse. Uh, in verse 2. So there is nothing to worry about. He's almost like he's willing himself to, to believe, or he recovers his, his, his faith in God and says, you know, I may not know everything that's going to happen on this trip, but I know that God is going to take care of me. And that, you see, is the basis 
Half of your journey is knowing that you're, never, you're not going to be alone and you're going to be taken care of. So you can breathe a sigh of relief. You're going to be all right. I look up to the mountains. Does my help come from there? He answers his own question. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heavens, of the heavens and the earth. And then you will see, as you continue on reading, there are six more verses left in this chapter. You will see a shift here in this psalm. Whereas in the first two verses, you see that the pilgrim, as it were, the pilgrim is speaking. By the time you get to verse 3, someone else is speaking. Who is this person that's speaking? Well, we could probably say it's the pastor giving the blessing to the pilgrim who's about to take off, who's about to, to embark on a journey. And he's about to bless this pilgrim and all the pilgrims with him. The blessing is about to come. You know, like when you're ready to depart and your dad says, hey, um, you know, gather, let's gather. I do this a lot in my family. Just before we leave, you know, our house to start our day, gather, let's, let's gather, let's have a word of prayer. And I, will just ima- I want us all to, to just imagine today um, a situation whereby, you know, this family is about to embark on a journey and the dad calls, has called the pastor to, to be present so that he could say the blessing for them. And so I imagine the, the dad saying, hey, uh, everybody just gather, you know, we need, we need to have a, a word of prayer. I ask the pastor to see us off. And, and, and so he calls the pastor and the pastor comes and he says to the pastor, pastor, will you say the blessing for us before we leave? Verse 3 begins that prayer of blessing. The pastor takes over the scene, starting from verse 3 all the way down to verse 8. And the pastor takes over the scene and the pilgrims, as it were, Stand quiet, ready to receive the blessing from God. That's what we see here in verse, on verse 3 and all the way down to verse 8. The pastor takes over the scene and spells out in detail. He spells out in detail what the pilgrims, you know, what the pilgrims' nascent faith in verse 2 really, really means. When, you know, pilgrim was able to say, my help comes from the Lord, now the pastor comes, comes up and spells out to everyone, to all of us, what this really means when we engage, when we set out on a journey. And you know, what we see is a very heartwarming vision of a God who is, who is so doting, who is so loving, he's always close. And it blows us away. We are given... For we are, what we are given here is a picture of a loving God, of a good, good Father, a Father who is always there for you and I. And suddenly, you know, as, I, as, I, as we read through, as I read through and reread, you know, through these verses, verses 3 to 8, you know, I, you know all those years... Um, as a father, you know, I, I never really quite understood this text until I became a father. A lot of things are that way in Scripture, by the way. Not, not, not only because you're getting older, but because you have a new perspective, a better perspective uh, uh, in life as, as, as we get older. And, and, and so, you know, I was reading, reading and rereading these verses, and I am taken back to my own experience 
as a father, when my kids, from the, t- from the time when my kids were born, even to today. And some of the experiences that I've, I, I went through, you know, um, my son, they're not here today, so I, I suppose I could, this is my day to tell all the stories. <laughs> they're in PUC. Um, my son was very colicky, and we had no life for two years. We had no sleep for almost two years, it seemed like. And, you know, she, he was always crying, and, you know, the first thing he did when he came out of, uh, uh, from, from mommy's womb was he, he peed on me. That was the first thing. And then he started crying and never stopped crying, it seemed like. And for the first six months of his life, my wife and I averaged probably between the two of us at night, we averaged two hours of sleep. It was terrible. It was really, really terrible. And I remember those nights, too, because he was so colicky, and we, we were desperate, and, you know, all the, all the wives' tales, uh, you know, things you should be doing and ought to be doing to stop the colic, you know. Uh, we tried everything under, you know, under the sun in the books, and nothing worked. And so one night, at 2 o'clock in the morning, I was so desperate, and he won't stop crying. He won't stop crying. I got in the tub, Turned on the faucet and got it to about just you know, right um, the water to, to about so warm. I stripped down naked and lay down and put my son on my breast. And he went to sleep. And he stopped crying. It was like that, for it seemed like interminable nights. People would tell us it will end soon. It's like it couldn't end soon enough. Is this what we signed up for? I never thought parenting would be like this. And you know, when you don't get enough sleep, one night, two nights, three nights, weeks, you know, your, your, your worldview changes. <laughs> but it's heartwarming vision that when we start reading and we're about to read these verses, that the picture that is given us here is a picture of parents taking care of their kids in the best possible way, from cradle to, God forbid, death. As I read and reread these verses and we're about to read these verses, those years came back to me of those sleepless nights, of those times when, you know, you have to just kind of, you know, do whatever it takes to shade their, shade their you know, their, uh, their faces from the sun as you're driving. And as you watch them grow and you're like a hawk, making sure nothing happens to them, nothing bad happens to them. All of those things, and you watch them grow, and you, you, you as, as a parent, and you start to take a step back and give them more freedom, and then step back and give, more, give them more freedom and still take care of them, and still take care of them. That is the picture that we have in the verses we're about to read of a father whose love for, the, for his children is so deep, he never leaves them alone.
all these experiences that I had and and the experiences that I'm still having or will still be having, and I'm sure you as parents had and having with your kids, are entry points, entry points to understanding just what this text is all about and what it is to engage, to to be on on a spiritual pilgrimage that we are never, ever alone. So now we're ready to to read the rest of Psalm 121. And here's, here are the verses. The pastor now, imagining the pastor saying the blessing and spelling out all the, in in details, what the Lord is like to all of us as we go through our journey. He will not let you stumble. The one who watches over you will not stumble, will not slumble, uh, slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel never slumbers or sleeps. The Lord himself watches over you. The Lord stands beside you as your protective shade. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon at night. The Lord keeps you from all harm and watches over your life. That is to say, your entire life, even the, the minutia of your life. The Lord keeps watch over you as you come and go, both now and forever. And you know, this is not just a matter of saying, too. All this week, I, I was engaged in a, a conversation, a, a, a virtual conversation with my pastor friends, and we were going over this book, uh, a book written by a, by, by, by a monk in the 1600s by the name of Brother Lawrence. And the name of the book is The Practice of the Presence of God. And, and this, uh, you know, this lowly monk learned how to engage the Lord who is ever-present by practicing to sense his presence in his life every moment of every day. It's fascinating read. And, you know, and, 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 and how he's able to kind of uh, uh, realize that God is not just there, uh, you know, it's, it's not just a matter of belief or a doctrine that God is there with us. It is actually a matter of fact. And we can learn to sense his presence every moment of our life. It's fascinating, and I would encourage you to go and get that book and read it. It's 70 pages long. It's not very long at all. It's this clear understanding. It's this clear understanding that God is always with us that makes all our journeys, all the mountains we face, more than just bearable. It makes all our, um, our journeys exciting, even if it is also Sometimes, anxiety causing. Modern psychology says that we are traumatized when we suffer alone or think we suffer alone. But what helps us in traumatic situations is this, that that we think and we realize that we are never alone, that God is always with us in our travels, in our spiritual journeys. This helps us to overcome our trauma, and even even in some instances, it helps us avoid the traumas of life. Four years ago, four summers ago, as a matter of fact, 
seems like it's, it was uh, in another lifetime, in another world, I took my son on a backpacking trip um, to uh, the Minaret Lake. Uh, how many of you have, been, uh, have taken that, that uh, uh, backpacking trip that, up that, uh, uh, that path? Um, well, you start, when you backpack to um, Minaret Lake, uh, you, well, there are several entry, uh, places where you can start, as a matter of fact. Uh, but we started from, uh, from uh, the Devil's Post Pile, about 7,000 7, or so uh, uh, feet above sea level. Well, the Minaret Lake sits at uh, uh, about 92, 93 hundred feet above sea level. So there's a, an elevation climb of over 2,000. And I thought, you know, it's going to be easy. That's fine. I mean, I'll, I'll handle it. Um, and so we went four summers ago, and it was exciting, as well as, you know, a little kind of anxiety causing for me, because I've never gone up that, uh, that trail. Um, and it was going to be alone with my son. So we drove to the staging ground, and down uh, we parked, and, and we uh, camped the night down by the Devil's Post pile. Um, and uh, we spent the night there, and, and then we walked down to the trailhead, and then I looked up, and all I could see the whole horizon was covered by this humongous mountain, and I started to get nervous. I'm like, what am I doing here? And with my son, am I going to put my son and I in danger? <laughs> um, yeah, I actually said, what have I gotten myself into? And I, and I mean, I know everything I, I suppose that I needed to know about this trail that is on the map. And I've never been up this trail before. And I felt like reciting the pilgrim's uh, um, words in, in Psalm 121, verse 1. I look up to the mountains. Does my help come from there? I felt nervous. So we started up the trail um, higher and higher and, and started, as I said, from about elevation 7,200 um, feet elevation and had no idea what 2,000 feet elevation gain meant until I set out and started to hit those false <laughs> peaks. We crested one, one false summit after another and I started to, to, to think to myself, when am I going to finally reach the summit? When? One hour, two hours, three hours. It took us over four hours. Uh, traversing, you know, it was only four miles, but the elevation gain of 2,000 made all the difference. Made all the difference for me. My son just kept going, and I couldn't keep up with him. So we crested one false summit after another, and we finally reached our destination just before it got dark. And, and, um, and then it was so beautiful. Let me show you some pictures of that, as a matter of fact. I, I, I have I still, that. There's, those are the minarets right over there, those peaks. And that's where we started from down below. Even felt like even lower than that. And so we started going up. That's where we started from, from that bridge over by the Devil's Post Pile. And I was all smiles. Not for long, because the trail got hard and harder still. I could see the peak. I could see the minarets. But I could never seem to reach the summit. 
It took us over four hours to get to the summit. And Micah had lots of fun catching all those, you know, those brown trouts, the brook trouts. And he, had, he caught over 20 of them, if, if, as I recall. The, um, uh, that, you know, the, and yes, this was the, the, you know, the morning after we had spent the night over there um, uh, at uh, um, Minaret Lake. Um, before all of the smoke settled in, there was a, there was a fire across, you know, across the ways in uh, in uh, Yosemite, and so the wind blew all of the all of the all of the smoke our way, and we and all through the night and almost until sunrise, we had smoke, we could hardly breathe, and so we rushed down the following day uh, because you know we realized that you know the smoke is going to be in front of us, and sure enough, when we reached the bottom of the uh, where we started from in, in at the Devil's Post pile. All the smoke that we thought had left us went ahead of us. And we, we reached the bottom. It was so filled with smoke. It was terrible. The journey is never quite what you expect it to be. It never is. It never is. But the point of the matter is, whatever the journey looks like, whatever the unexpected twists and turns might be, Whatever the valleys might look like, however dark it might be, however hard the climbs might be, Psalm 121 reminds us that it doesn't matter really because your Heavenly Father, our Heavenly Father, is right there with us and that we are never, ever alone. And you know what? That is more than half of the journey reminding us today that we are never alone and as we venture out and go on our own spiritual journeys whatever they may be that we can be that we can rest assured that we are never alone thank you for reminding us these good words In Jesus' name, amen.